Welcome to the Boom Boom Music Room. My name is Jacob Ashworth. This is our second installment of the Cantata Profana podcast. I'm the artistic director of Cantata Profana, and I'm here today with Alex Weiser, composer and artistic director of Kettlecorn New Music. Tell us a little about yourself. So I also run the public programming at this Jewish library and archive called the Yivo Institute for Jewish Research. And we do a lot of really interesting programming there featuring uh, performances and lectures and film screenings, book talks, and all sorts of things about Jewish culture, Jewish history, and uh, that's the context in which we're doing this Mahler concert. And can you pronounce for me the Yiddish title of the Institute for Jewish Research? Sure, yeah. YIVO is actually a Yiddish acronym for Yiddischer Wissenschaftlicher Institute, which means the Jewish Scientific Institute. And they have a remarkable archive of the Yiddish press and many recordings. And Alex has shown me over the years some really amazing things in different concerts that he's put together. That was part of the inspiration for doing this concert that we're doing this month. Yeah, so YIVO is this huge archive and library. We have something like 23 million documents and 400,000 books. These are documents and books which tell the story of the full range of Jewish history and Jewish life. YIVO was founded in Poland, so it sort of has an Ashkenazi Eastern European history with a lot of a focus on Yiddish, things ranging from letters to you know photographs and films and recordings and recordings from the radio, records, even paintings, costumes from, from plays and all sorts of amazing things. Cantata Barfana did a Kettlecorn New Music show two years ago that Alex had asked us to play, and it was a great experience. We loved uh, working together and curating a concert together, and soon after that, Alex talked to us about doing another show. That was a bit of the sextet from Richard Strauss's Capriccio, live from a show we did back in 2014 at Issue Project Room in Brooklyn. When I spoke to Alex about doing Das Lied at Evo, I definitely was aware that this is not Mahler's most obviously Jewish-sounding work. It's definitely not our aim to try to purport that this is entirely Jewish music and we're reclaiming it in some way. But I thought that Alex had some really great ideas about Mahler's writing and the concept of the other as it pertains to a lot of Jewish composers in the 19th and 20th centuries that was a much more broad understanding of how that filtered into their music that I found very convincing and absolutely present in Das Lied. There is a way to think about Mahler's output that when Mahler is looking at the other, when Mahler is looking at figures on the fringes of a society, you know, perhaps his background of being from Bohemia for, as being from a Jewish family plays into how he thinks about the other. 
And I think the use of Chinese poetry is maybe not the sort of typical 19th century Orientalism, which doesn't hold up today, but is more in line with this idea that this was a subject that he felt he could talk about in a way that maybe he was not able to talk about subjects that were closer to home. One way to think about this is to look at the modes of finding meaning in life that were available to Mahler at that time, and to see his choice to look elsewhere as a response to those modes themselves. You know, in contradistinction to Strauss or to Wagner, he's not looking at the German folk as sort of the be-all, end-all way to find meaning, a way to find identity. And he's also not looking at the Christian religion as a way to find identity or a way to find meaning. And a saving grace of the piece for sure is that he does not attempt any particular kind of Orientalist music or trying to sound Chinese in the ways that a lot of European composers did, especially after they had seen different cultures and come through Europe in the Paris Expo and where they were able to glimpse what was going on in the East and then try to do a bastardized version of it. and I are here to talk about our upcoming concert on November 30th at the Evo Institute on West 16th Street. That's Thursday, November 30th at 7 p.m. And we have a pre-concert lecture at 6 p.m. by Dr. Daniel Yutta from NYU. He's a history professor at NYU and the lecture is sponsored by the Jewish Music Forum. Tickets are available at www.evo.org evo that's y-i-v-o dot org slash mahler or at www.cantataprofana.com where you can also check out all our upcoming shows That was some classic exoticism, the Teapot and China duet from Ravel's L'Enfant et les Sortilèges, arranged by our own Dan Schlossberg and performed at our show France Dance Revolution at Dixon Place two years ago in New York. For those of you not as familiar with Mahler's symphonies, Das Lied von der Erde has a very special place. He wrote his first eight symphonies and then worried about the curse of Beethoven and Bruckner, who both died after their ninth symphony. He decided he would take a slightly different path and call his what would be ninth symphony Das Lied von der Erde, the Song of the Earth, and make it a sort of song symphony without a number he did seem to narrowly escape and then he wrote his ninth symphony and then he did die in the middle of the 10th. We're very happy that Schoenberg decided he would make a chamber arrangement of it. So he started his arrangement but did not finish and it was finished later in the 80s by Rainer Rien and it calls for 14 players and two soloists. It uses mostly standard chamber symphony arrangement with the addition of piano and harmonium. 
The harmonium was an instrument that ended up in many arrangements of the time. Today, they're actually quite hard to find, and we're really happy to have Artis Wodehouse, who has a great collection herself and is a great player, joining us with her own harmonium, which is a beautiful instrument that I'm very excited to have joining us. Two years ago, when Cantata Profana performed with Kettlecorn New Music, we did uh, another Schoenberg arrangement type piece. It was Schoenberg's first chamber symphony arranged by Anton Webern for a quintet. And we performed that at the Domena Center as part of our Alice in Wunderbar concert. And that's what we're listening to now. Speaking of arrangements and how they sort of shed new light on pieces, one of the things that's so amazing about this arrangement is how romantic it feels with such small forces. This lead that we're doing is a full orchestral arrangement pared down to 14 players. This piece is originally for 15 pared down to 5, and in every case you just end up with players getting busier and more virtuosic and having more to deal with, and you get to really hear the lines passing back and forth between the different instruments. For us at YIVO, one of the really interesting reasons to do this piece is to look at it as a Jewish piece or to ask that question, can this piece be looked at as a Jewish piece? What insight might that give us into Mahler and into this particular symphony if we look at it through this lens? So one of the pieces we're going to do in this concert is this short song by a composer named Lazar Saminsky, which is written just about the same time in St. Petersburg and is totally a different approach to thinking about Jewish identity in music. Lazar Siminski founds this uh, organization in 1908 with a bunch of other composers from the St. Petersburg Conservatory called the Society for Jewish Folk Music, which with the very much stated intent of creating an explicitly Jewish classical music. And so what we hear in this other song is a Yiddish folk melody and a Yiddish folk text elevated to the point of sort of an art song. It's really interesting to think of this kind of contrast, you know, of Mahler being from a Jewish family, perhaps Yiddish-speaking from a small town, but really trying to find his way of fitting into a a larger German sensibility of musical culture. To me, that's really interesting as a musical project, to find a place in German culture, to imagine a version of German culture that has... A place for himself as a, as a musical project, as opposed to a musical project to carve out a separate Jewish space, which is what we hear in, in Lazar Siminski's music. And so we're starting the program with 
a work by Meyerbeer, who was a Jewish composer of operas, who was incredibly popular in the beginning of the 19th century, and then whose reputation was virtually destroyed by Wagner. But uh, Mahler was also known as the greatest interpreter of Meyerbeer's work. So we begin with this song by Meyerbeer and then move on to a song by Schoenberg from about the same time as Das Lied to give a sense of what was happening in Vienna in the newer generation, followed by Lazar Zeminski's song sandwiched between a couple of pieces for solo harmonium by Louis Lewandowski, who wrote a lot of liturgical Jewish music. And then we have a new work by you, Alex. That's right. You want to tell us a bit about it? Sure. When we were preparing this concert, I you know, went off the deep end a bit and did a ton of reading about Mahler because I'll be writing the program notes for this concert, but also just because I am a huge Mahler fanatic. But my big takeaway from all of this reading was that Mahler is finding a place for himself in German culture as a Jew. I think in some ways he's trying to erase his identity, erase this sort of peculiarity in himself in a way that only a Jew could feel the need to do such a thing. <laughs> the thing that I think is so interesting about this juxtaposition where we have something that is very sort of pan-European with something that really sticks out as Jewish is that this is all within this huge heroic symphony and these different kinds of music find a place right next to each other, that they fit together. And I think that this is a metaphor for how I think about Mahler's music and Mahler's approach to Jewish identity. In my piece, I'm trying to do a similar thing. Not necessarily trying to be Jewish and not necessarily trying to be like Mahler, but trying to find a musical language that can take inside of it all of these different elements. We did a piece of yours on our program at Kettlecorn two years ago called Three Epitaphs, and it was a really gorgeous piece. We're excited to be doing a new piece of yours alongside Das Lied this month. This is CP performing Alex Weiser's Three Epitaphs at the Domena Center in May 2016.
I'm really thrilled to be featuring two of CP's favorite singers from our previous shows on this next concert. Um, the two solo roles in Das Lied are very different. The tenor has a virtuosic and exuberant uh, role to play, singing mostly drinking songs, but the alto has the much more contemplative, emotional story to tell. So we have two wonderful people with us this time. Tom Cooley is our tenor, and he last sang with us when we did um, Hans-Werner Henze's Kammermusik 1958, and that's a piece that features tenor with guitar and eight instruments. Tom's also an incredible chamber musician. To have just the 14 players with him is going to be a wonderful experience. Here's Tom Cooley with our phenomenal guitarist Arash Nuri performing a movement of Hans-Werner Henze's Kammermusik 1958 from our show a few years ago. And then our other soloist is Sarah Kuden, who is a marvelous contralto. She sang with us back in January. She did George Crumb's Night of the Four Moons and an amazing performance of the Brahms viola songs with Colin Brooks and Dan Schlossberg. Thank you. 
The show is one night only, Thursday, November 30th at 7 p.m. at the Evo Institute for Jewish Research. That's 15 West 16th Street. There's a 6 p.m. pre-concert lecture, which I definitely would encourage you guys to come to. It's being sponsored by the Jewish Music Forum and given by a history professor from NYU, Dr. Daniel Yutta. Tickets are available at www.yivo.org slash Mahler. That's Y-I-V-O dot org slash Mahler. Or you can find them, of course, at www.cantataprofana.com, where you can check out all of our shows, past and present. What's Kellicorn up to? We are featuring a concert with the Argus String Quartet and Lucy Hazel Fitzgibbon performing a big new song cycle by Jordan Nelson, works by Sariaho and Lauren Laicona at the New York Public Library branch that's right across the street from MoMA on December 9th. Kettlecorn is a great organization that has really changed the way a lot of people go and see music in New York. You guys provide a fun and exciting and very friendly environment that is also bolstered by a real belief in serious listening. I've always enjoyed all the shows that I've seen, and I love the people that you get. I love the people that come to the shows as well. So I definitely encourage all of you, December 9th, to go and see Kettlecorn New Music and check them out at kettlecornnewmusic.com. Thank you once again to my guest, Alex Weiser. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes and look out for more great episodes all season long. For now, we'll leave you with this. One more gem, a striking, magical passage from the middle of Hans Werner Henze's Kammermusik 1958, with some more extraordinary singing by Tom Cooley, our tenor for this month, Arash Nuri on guitar, and the whole CP band. Es ist